CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We have a great group of people that talk shit about Venezuela and how Venezuela is a crypto nation, a Bitcoin nation. The reality of an economical catastrophe, the worst of this economical situation that a country can live. It is very unfair to talk in this with some kind of optimism. This episode is brought to you by Crypto.com, Bitstamp, and Nexo.io. Hello, I'm Coindesk reporter Lee Quinn, here today to talk with Venezuelan journalist Javier Bastardo about Bitcoin and the media industry. Thanks for joining me today, Javier. Thanks a lot for having me here, Lee. It's a really great pleasure. Can you start off by telling us a little bit of your background? How long have you been working as a journalist? I'm original uh, philosopher. My university degree is in philosophy. I studied at Universidad Central de Venezuela, that is the main university here. I started to work as an acting journalist since I had my degree uh, back in uh, 2015. But I get involved in crypto journalism in this industry in January from 2017, before the great ballroom and all this stuff. Yeah, that was my really first time reading and covering this topic. It's really great to see that I, I can still work in the same source. So before you started writing about crypto, did you cover other topics or beats? Yeah, I was uh, writing about politics, about economics, about culture, and even about sports. I was working in a, like a ghost writer. Gotcha. So you've experienced a wide range of topics and different kinds of readers. What do you think is unique about the crypto beat and the kinds of readers that we reach? I think that the main difference is that uh, the people that read uh, crypto outlets are already a little against journalism, against the information industry, and maybe they are more anger against the, the information that they can read or obtain in, in these sources. And 
also they have a different view of, of things. Maybe not when you are a, a knob that you are only in crypto or in Bitcoin because of the, the gains, the profit, the, the trading. But when you have um, more time in this, maybe you are looking for a different kind of content. And I think that that way of look, the information is is really particular of the readers that we can have or the the viewers or the listeners that we can have in any kind of product that we create. Yeah, I would say that I have a similar experience, even though you're covering Latin America and often in Spanish and I'm speaking to an English speaking audience. I'm curious to hear from your perspective about the broader American media industry as a Venezuelan, someone who understands what censorship means and also what it means to be a journalist in different kinds of precarious situations. I'm curious what you think of the U.S. media. Do you think that our media is heavily censored? Do you think that it's heavily biased? Do you think that it's relatively free or mainstream like something from Europe? What's your perspective on the American media system? Uh, you, you mean the American in the U.S. or the American in Latin America? Ah, very fair. So I mean... The U um, in the U.S. I I think that I don't read a lot of uh, normie media in in English. Uh, that's not the kind of news that I consume. But the crypto related media, I, I don't know if the the writers I are are biased, but the editorial line, the topics that some of those outlets covers, I think that um, aligned that, that that are trying to push some agendas. I don't know if this is true, and I work to a, a an outlet that is Spanish version that is Coin Telegraph. So I don't know if they have this agenda. Uh, this is only an an opinion, a, a supposition, but. I really don't know if the thing that we've seen in, with CNN uh, on CNBC that you can identify some with some party on or something like that is the same thing in the crypto industry. I hope so that is not the the same. It seems a little similar, yeah, because. We find some outlets that publish um, many news about some kind of cryptocurrencies. We have another that only posts about Bitcoin and those stuff. As we have those narratives that shows that Trump is a really good president, but we have those others that shows him like a bad president. I think that this is a problem to the whole industry, the whole media industry. I think that we have a really similar way to uh, get the information here in Venezuela, but this is worst. <laughs> because we don't really have uh, open media, so stuff like that. But I, I, I think that this polarization is the same in each of the circles of information that we can find. 
I think you've just pointed out something very shrewd and also in the way that uh, you corrected my language, which exactly highlighted that point. I feel like in the Americas, both Latin America and North America, we have a very similar media system. One might even say interconnected and in some ways a part of each other media system. A lot of writers and companies and different kinds of content are shared for both platforms and both languages and multiple languages, also Portuguese. I'm very interested to hear from your perspective as well that you've noticed that uh, I maybe have more in common writing for a crypto audience in New York with you in Caracas than I would have writing for an audience on a different topic, but in the same country or um, in a different country, but on the same beat. Yes, totally. And, and I think that as the audience are different, so we are talking to a very specific audience, even if I'm writing in Spanish and you're writing in English, could be really possible that a person reads your piece after reading mine, or if they are a Spanish speaker, maybe they read your piece first or your tweet and then reads the, the specific, uh, I don't know, the specific Twitter or, or the specific writer in the specific language. We are more connected than I could be with a person that writes about politics in Venezuela. Even when we have the same branch, we can have a same, the same approach to the politics in Venezuela. I don't have the same ideas. We don't have the same way to create the or, or recreate the narrative around the topic. So. Obviously, with the um, the difference, but yeah, totally related uh, New York writing and Caracas writing. <laughs> so I'm curious, I know that you've received Bitcoin from employers that you as a freelancer has used Bitcoin as a tool. Have you ever received Bitcoin from readers or sold any products or like, is there any other way that you've used Bitcoin in your professional life? I, I received Bitcoin, but I lost the key, so... My main way to obtain Bitcoins is because of my freelance writing. I write as a freelancer for mainly for Cointelegraph in Espanol. That is the Spanish version of the, that newspaper. And also to other little blogs or even companies that need press, yeah, copywriting. That's the main way that I receive Bitcoins. Uh, I also have project, an educational project about Bitcoin that is Satoshi in Venezuela. And we get donations. And also we have some sponsors to make the things that we made because even with the low cost that we can find, those, I, I can cover those by myself. So those are the main ways that I obtain Bitcoins. About the readers, uh, yeah, I, I think that th there was a time where people was more open to donations because th they was not really aware of the terrible mistake that is the address reuses. I was working in Crypto Noticias and I had a public ad. So people donate 
because was other times the Bitcoin was in a, an all time high in December of the 2017 and, and that was really great to <laughs> the donations by the readers uh, every day, daily, daily news, daily positive news, daily uh, green candles and all the stuff. And uh, that was a great moment to those kind of donations. But after that, and after I moved to this new newspaper, the donations of the readers disappeared because I don't have any public address. I have a tipping that is a plugin or a web where you can have donations through Lightning Network that is really, really cheap. And in my birthday, uh, the people gave me like 20 bucks. I used it to pay the stream year of Satoshi in Venezuela. It was really cool because the gift turned it in something useful. Those are the, the main ways that we are using and obtaining Bitcoin. Satoshi in Venezuela have a BTC Pay server set up thanks to Stefan Liberat. We have almost a million sats in donations. I don't know uh, how much is that in USD, but those are there because we don't really need to spend those ads yet. Because of the pandemic, we can make the main activities that we made that are meetups. <laughs> so we are making all these activities in digital and are cheaper and could be paid with the sponsor of Ledem. Gotcha. So you do receive small amounts from readers and audiences, and also the majority of Bitcoin is sent from employers or institutions. It's not as if you're entirely reader supported, but there is some hybrid version for your business model uh, as a writer. Yeah, I think that uh, when a reader is really down to send me a donation, they send me a DM in Twitter mainly, and I can send them a natty or something like that. But this is not uh, an, a normal thing. That died with the ATH. <laughs> hey listeners, Crypto.com offers one of the most convenient ways to purchase your favorite tokens or cryptocurrencies. It's also one of the most cost-effective ways, with the normal 3.5% credit card fee waived for all crypto purchases. What's more, with Crypto.com's MCO Visa card, you can get up to 10% back on things like food and grocery shopping. When you buy gift cards with the Crypto.com app, you can get up to 20% back. So download the Crypto.com app today and enjoy these offers until the end of September. Bitstamp is the original global cryptocurrency exchange. Since 2011, Bitstamp has been the preferred exchange for serious traders and investors, trusted by over 4 million customers, including top financial institutions. Bitstamp is built on professional-grade trading technology. Their platform is powered by a NASDAQ matching engine, and their APIs are recognized as the best in the industry. Download the Bitstamp app from the App Store or Google Play, or visit bitstamp.net slash pro to learn more and start trading today. That's bitstamp.net slash pro. In this crisis, many investors aim to keep and grow their digital assets. Others seek to maximize the yield on their cash. Nexo allows you to achieve exactly these two goals. The company offers instant crypto credit lines against all major cryptocurrencies, with interest rates starting from only 5.9% APR. 
Nexo also lets you earn up to 10% annually on your fiat and digital assets. What's more, interest is paid out daily, and you can add or withdraw funds at any time. Get started at nexo.io. In addition to Bitcoin being a tool that journalists can use for payment, it's also something we report on, and as a market, it reacts to the public, right? And I'm curious to hear from you how you think that the media influences the Bitcoin market. Okay. I don't want to be a moron, but we have a great group of people that talk shit about Venezuela and how Venezuela is a crypto nation, a Bitcoin nation, a Virgin nation, and Dutch nation. And those are narratives that are around the reality of an economical catastrophe, uh, the, the worst of this economical situation that a country can live. So it is very unfair to talk in this with some kind of optimism that like the industry is popping because of the crisis. That is really awful. That said, we have these local Bitcoins volumes that are weekly moving around 20 million dollars. That is a, a really good amount of, of dollars. You have these communities trying to build some kind of nexus around the merchants and the users of the, these Bitcoins or the traders that are, that are using Binance or, or other platforms or, or stuff like that. But, but I don't see this as a thing that is more bigger than a little niche. We almost know each other in the crypto scene in Venezuela. And I think that the market is a reality. The, the companies are, are seeing it. The, the people is using the Bitcoin and, and stuff like that. But it's not... Um, it's not that big as, as people uses to show, to, to tell in, in the news and connecting this with the media. Th there are little, little amount of people that is reporting this source in Venezuela that will talk about this like I do because it is better to maintain the narrative about the crypto nation, the Bitcoin nation, because you will always have something to say that you will always have something to sell because <laughs> it is a good way to create the news around the country that have 2,000 sites where you can spend your crypto and have, uh, I don't know. I think that the media is making this bigger than it really is. Like... There are some kind of, of lobbies around the information, like some companies that are building a lobby of influencers and writers and reporters and stuff like that to, to maintain the hype and to launch a token and say, hey, yeah, you can pay with my token in 2,000 places. And there are people that eat from the garbage, you know? <laughs> It's really awful to, to see that the main way to create the news around crypto here is around the narrative of the 
crypto popping and saving all the stuff and things like that. And also, I, I, I was interviewed by Peter McCormack when he was here, and, and I said the same man I'm saying here, and was really awful the reaction of the people because they need uh, the narrative to keep going about the adoption, the mainstream, uh, yeah, Bitcoin will save us. So it's weird because we have an active scene, but it's little and, and it's strong. I, I can, I can, I can say that it's a weak community. I think we have a strong community, but it's. It is small. We still being the the crisis of the crypto and those guys that uh, can't stop of, of uh, chatting about Bitcoin and stuff like that. I think you made a really good point about the complex ethics of covering this technology. Because on one hand, there are already men who have become incredibly wealthy from the invention of it, and it works, and people use it. Just you use it and I'll use it and in different ways and it is useful in different contexts. But on the other hand, there was a survey that an exchange recently did and it turns out the vast majority of their users believe that crypto will see some kind of mainstream adoption as in one of the leading financial tools used by huge parts of the population. And they believe that will happen in the next five years and that is why they are purchasing this thing. And so on one hand, you want to say what the reality exists today and the reality exists that it is useful for some people. But on the other hand, it's very profitable for people to use that correct information to promote false propaganda about it being a widespread craze that everyone is jumping on board with. And a lot of people are investing, believing that incorrect narrative about the true facts of how Bitcoin is used. Yeah, and also about this using the narrative, you have you you don't only have the people that is trying to uh, profit from the formation or the knowledge that they have about crypto, but all other people that are openly trying to scam people, talking about blockchain and smart contracts and perpetual swamps and da 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 da. And there are many things promoting trading as a way to make profit. But how, how you will uh, teach my mother to make trading if she's a lawyer and her professional practice was as a lawyer? How, how she will become from the night to the day a, a trader? And this is a new way to use the crypto narrative or this uh, wealthy narrative around the early adopters uh, is a way to scam people. And and I think that the people that promote this kind of news, this kind of really optimism uh, narrative, is not really seeing that they are uh, opening this... uh, and the range of of things that people could say to a scam to lie to others. So it's really difficult to be the guy that always say F- this. I don't want to talk with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that idea that you just referenced is called the Overton window. 
meaning the range of acceptable things to say in public society before everyone freaks out and cancels. Um, and you're correct that I believe, or I agree with you rather, that crypto has changed what people can do when they're trying to sell a technology that may not even exist and may not be able to function as it is being sold at will. So I feel like we agree with each other a lot, and I, I like that. But I wonder if there's anything else that you wanted to either uh, leave us with or you wanted to share that I didn't think to ask you with the audience before we wrap it up for the day. That even when I'm trying to be real, I, I'm trying to report in the less biased way, I'm really bullish on Bitcoin, on how Bitcoin could be useful to other Venezuelans as I am because I don't feel like I'm an special guy at all. I'm just learning about how I can use this to the things that I do to live, you know, like how I can convene being a, a freelancer writer with Bitcoin as money, that's it. I don't think that is more difficult that that is. I start with uh, don't really knowing anything about Bitcoin, don't really know how to uh, exchange the Bitcoins that I, that I was earning and now Three years later, I have a project, an educational Bitcoin-only project with some friends. I think that there could be others as me that they don't really need to be connected with the media outlets. You can start uh, your own blog, start to share your ideas there. You don't need to be a professional of the information to make content. I don't, I don't think that the professionals, the writers, the, the editors, the media outlets uh, needs to disappear. I think that if you are uh, concerned in, in the way that the information is uh, being a business, you can simply build your own way to narrate the, the things. And as we have to learn a lot when, our, uh, when we are falling in the rabbit hole of Bitcoin. A really great way to uh, keep this learning going is sharing your ideas, the process that you are uh, following to understand uh, how to run a node, how to use Samurai, I don't know, anything, how the coin swap works anything, any stuff that you are trying to understand, you can share with others. Maybe you can build a kind of career around the media, but not being the media if you hate the media. I don't know. I think that you can create new things and transform the, the things that are around without making that a drama, just... There are not a Bitcoin-only project in Venezuela. Well, just build that, and that's what I did when we started Satoshi in Venezuela, and that's the way I think that people that hate the media could, <laughs> could start to act too. 
I really appreciate you leaving us with that insight, that advice to use writing as an educational tool. And if people are dissatisfied with the media they are consuming, to produce their own media. So, gracias, Javier. And thank you to everyone at home for joining us today. Once again, this is Coindesk reporter Lee Quinn. Stay tuned for more podcasts. And for more interviews and insights, check out coindesk.com. Take care, everybody.